so good to worship with you on this beautiful day. I think this might be the first time I've ever preached in front of Pac-Man characters or whatever these are, so kind of fun for something different. We're in the middle of a series called Unsubscribe, and the heart behind the series is, you know how sometimes your email can get full of junk mail? You know, if you've signed up for newsletters, maybe uh, some other uh, updates, and they start to come in, and eventually it can almost be overwhelming to have an inbox full of all sorts of random emails. And one of the great things you can do is you can log on to those sites and you can unsubscribe from those emails and be rid of them and experience email freedom, which is awesome. And so this series is really about the idea that through life we accumulate a lot of junk in our life. We accumulate a lot of different baggage along the way. But because of what Jesus has done for us, we have the opportunity to unsubscribe from some of those unhealthy emotions, unhealthy behaviors that can follow us through life. We can actually have freedom through Christ. So last week, we kicked off the series by talking about worry and how we can move beyond worry. And today, I want to talk about hurry. Now, do any of you ever feel hurried? or overwhelmed, or stressed out. I think for many of us, it's probably a daily thing that we struggle with. Now, I know many of you are actually retired, but what I've found through conversations with many of you is a lot of people say retirement is actually more work and is even busier than back when you were in the work world. All of us can struggle with hurry, busyness, being overwhelmed. Now, students this last week most are, mostly are out of school, and so it's maybe been finals, and it's been assignments and projects, and now hopefully it's an opportunity maybe to take a breath. And adults who have kids at home still, you know, maybe you're putting in countless hours at work while running kids all over creation to different sporting events and different obligations. I think all of us would say, we struggle with hurry, with busyness, with being overwhelmed. And so what I want to do this morning is to look at two different biblical stories, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, and see what they can teach us about how to handle our hurry and being overwhelmed and being stressed out. One of them is going to show us the negative sides, and one is going to show us this great opportunity we have to live into God's rhythm and God's grace and his plan for living. So the first story comes from 1 Kings, starting in chapter 18, and it's about a guy that I'm sure you've all heard of, Elijah. Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He lived in a very turbulent time in history. The king at that time was named King Ahab, and he was the most evil king that Israel ever had. But the thing is, his wife was even worse. You might remember her, Queen Jezebel. Jezebel introduced the people of Israel to the worship of a god named Baal. And she had 450 false prophets who would help those people in their worship of this false god. So God told Elijah to go and confront Ahab and Jezebel to call them out and to actually challenge them to a showdown. 
It was to be their God, Baal, versus the true God of Israel. And it was to be to find out once and for all who the real God was. Now, this is bigger and better than the Super Bowl. This was going to be the biggest event in history. And all of Israel was told to come and to witness this showdown. And what Elijah did is he called for two bulls to come and be sacrificed. And then each side, the prophets of Baal on one side and Elijah on the other, would prepare an altar. And they would put their sacrifice on the altar. And then they would pray to their God for fire to come and to consume the offering. And so Elijah said, all right, prophets of Baal, you're up first. And so they took some wood and they prepared a perfect altar and they sacrificed their bull and they put it on top of the altar and they began to pray to Baal for him to rain fire down on the sacrifice. And everybody sat and they waited and they waited and they waited and the prophets got louder and more animated and they danced around the altar and nothing happened it was getting embarrassing and one of my favorite parts of the story is that Elijah didn't stay quiet he started to trash talk them he started to say what's the deal where's your God is he on vacation maybe he's at Disney World what's going on and it made the prophets even more angry at one point they started to cut themselves and so it says there's blood all over the place it's a disaster and Elijah's just sitting back enjoying the whole scene well then in the afternoon after these prophets are exhausted they can't go on they're probably lightheaded they've lost a ton of blood it's Elijah's turn so he prepares an altar it has 12 stones and the stones symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel he puts wood on the altar he puts his sacrifice on top but then he does something else. He digs a trench all the way around the altar. Then he tells people to come and bring jars of water and to pour it over the top of the sacrifice and the altar. And there's so much water that it goes down and it fills up the trench. Then Elijah prays to God. He prays for God to bring his fire and to show his power so that people's hearts would be turned back to him. And immediately, fire comes down from heaven. And the Bible says the bull, the wood, and the stones themselves are consumed completely by the fire. And all of Israel falls to their knees and they worship God as they see God's power in his presence. And Elijah has all the false prophets killed. Now, it's this amazing story that happens, but if you read on, we really see what's going on in Elijah's heart and in his life. So we're going to pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have your Bible, you could turn there, otherwise it'll also be up on the screen. So it says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. This isn't at all how things were supposed to go. So Jezebel, Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you 
just as you killed them. Now at this point, wouldn't you expect Elijah to be bold and confident? I mean, he just saw God consume his altar that was covered with water. He had just seen God show up in power. I mean, he could have easily said, did you guys not see what just happened? I'd be careful if I were you. But that's not how Elijah responded at all. Look at verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who already died. Elijah says, I have had enough. Have you ever been at that point before? Where all you can do is turn to God and say, I have had enough. When life gets overwhelming, when you feel discouraged, you feel depressed, you feel defeated, And your problems seem to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And God seems smaller and smaller. Elijah goes to a dark place. He basically says, God, I am totally spent. Why don't you just kill me now? Elijah is worn out and he's burned out. He's exhausted physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And the thing is, when we feel the same way, when we are worn out and we're burned out, we become vulnerable, especially spiritually vulnerable. Now, you might figure Elijah just needs a great motivational speech, like God could just come and tell him to suck it up and deal with it. But that's not what God does at all. Look at verse 5. It says, then Elijah lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Now, there's a pattern there, right? And it's so basic. It's so everyday. Sleep, eat, sleep, eat, get some exercise, and he sleeps again. But throughout this process, Elijah is getting recharged, re-energized, he's rested, he's relaxing. And it's then that God comes and speaks to him. If you read on into verse 12, God comes and he whispers to Elijah. Now I think way too many of us can identify with where Elijah has been. We can identify with that feeling of crashing of being worn out, of being exhausted, because we continue to fill our days way too full. And we re- 
express regret again and again that we just don't have enough time to accomplish everything we want to do. And we have this feeling that we have to keep up with our neighbors. You know, we can't miss out on anything. We have to get our kids to every single activity. And sometimes as Christians, we even convince ourselves that it's more spiritual to be busy, to be rushed, to be overwhelmed. Well, what I want us to see today as we dive into scripture together is that rest is actually a very important spiritual issue. To be effective for God's kingdom, God needs us to be rested, renewed, and replenished. And the same thing is true for our marriages, for our parenting, for our work life, and wherever else we go. There's an author named Marcus Buckingham who talks about a study that was done of both kids and parents. And kids were asked what they would change about their parents' work and life. And parents were asked, what do they think their kids want from them the most? Well, almost every parent thought what their kids would want is more of their time. But actually, very few kids said that. So what did kids actually want from their parents? Most of them said they wished that their parents would be less stressed and less tired. You see, the very best you is a rested, recharged, and refocused you. And it's something that Jesus modeled throughout his ministry. Sometimes we have a lot going on in our life. It seems like we're running from one thing to another, but Jesus literally had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He had the most important mission in all of history to come and seek and save the lost, to give his life as a ransom for many. And you might be tempted to think, but yeah, he can accomplish that because he's 100% man, but he's also 100% God. He's got that advantage. But even Jesus consistently made rest and relaxing and recharging a vital part of his life. He actually left the people he was ministering to again and again to go and be by himself, to go and experience rest, to spend quality time with God. So let's look at Mark chapter 6, which we just heard in our gospel reading. Now this is right after a lot of ministry has been done, and it's immediately before he feeds the 5,000. Here's what happens. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Now frequently this happens throughout the Gospels where right before Jesus does something big, before he does a big miracle, he pulls back. He goes off by himself. He spends time with God. And then he re-engages. You see, again and again, Jesus prioritizes rest and recharge and refocusing. And what we see is that Jesus modeled 
a sustainable pace for his disciples and for us. And so the big idea this morning that I want you to take away, what I think God wants to speak into your life is this. I am in a healthier place when I move at a sustainable pace. I am in a healthier place when I move at a sustainable pace. And one of the keys to having a sustainable pace is to receive and participate in God's rest. And I think he has two different types of rest that we need to keep at the forefront of our lives. Sabbath rest and surrendered rest. One is a command and one is a promise. So first, Sabbath rest. The Sabbath is a day of rest every week that God himself models for us in creation. I'm pretty sure God could have done without resting, right? He could have done whatever he wanted, but it was important enough that after six days of creation, he took one day to rest and to model that behavior for us. I mean, after spending six days in overdrive, every one of us would benefit from shifting into park for one 24-hour period, to carve time out, to be fully present with God and to be fully present with others. There was a researcher at the University of Arizona who studied this for a while, and he says this, failing to rest after six days of heavy work will lead to insomnia, hormonal imbalances, fatigue, irritability, organ stress, and other increasingly serious physical and mental symptoms. And after all his research, he concluded that Sabbath rest is a biological need that we are hardwired with. Some of you here today are on the go seven days a week, and you need a day of rest. In fact, George Barna found that only 14% of Christians consistently carve out a day of rest each week. Well, here's why it's important. Sabbath rest first will help you rest your body. There are many times that we push the limits, we think we're indestructible, Medical studies again and again say that we need eight or more hours of sleep a night, yet as Americans, on average, we get less than seven. And you might say, well, it's pretty close. I mean, is it really that big a deal? But if you get seven hours of sleep instead of eight, it means 15 days less of sleep every year than you need. Now, when we maybe do take a day to rest, when we take a Sabbath, how often do we just fill it with other work? I mean, we've got yard work, maybe catch up on email, other things for work. But God wants us to stop and to pause and to truly rest. I mean, do you ever feel guilty even for taking a nap, laying down on the couch? Check this out. Maybe one of the most spiritual things you can do today is to take a nap. Someone comes to you and says, you know, hey, what about this? Or you need to mow the lawn. You can say, hey, preacher said today I need to take a nap. So if you want me to fill out a little note for you, I can certainly do that. 
But here's the thing. When you wake up refreshed, God is so much better able to speak into your life. It's kind of like when you're doing a crossword puzzle. Have you ever gotten, you know, just kind of frozen? You don't know any more answers. You keep looking at them, and it all kind of just turns into a blur. You get up and you walk away and you do something else and then you come back later and you sit down and suddenly you've got three or four answers right off the bat. It's like that in our life. Sometimes we need to rest and then re-engage so that God can communicate to us. And you might say, but, you know, what about my project? What about all these other things? They can wait. Take one day to truly disengage, to dedicate it to the Lord because it will do your body good. Number two, it will also recharge your emotions. Emotional fatigue can be even harder to recover from than physical fatigue. When we get, wor- when we get worn out and we get burned out, our emotions often get frayed. And that's what happened to Elijah. He went to a very, very dark place. And two-thirds of Americans say they are either burned out or on their way to burn out. And so we need to take the time to refresh and recharge our emotions. And it might look different for every single one of us. For me, there is nothing better than getting outside into nature. It just makes me feel better. I have a better outlook. I'm in a better mood. Maybe it's solitary time with your family, maybe it's playing board games, maybe it's music, maybe it's reading a book. Whatever it is, you need to take time to recharge your emotions. I love Psalm 23. We all know it well. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And then it says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength starts with rest and then he brings renewal and then it says he guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name rest renew recharge and then he leads us forward number three sabbath rest helps us refocus our heart your heart represents your soul it's your spiritual well-being And so the question for each one of us today is, where is your heart? Is your heart divided? Again and again, the Bible warns against a divided heart. Is your heart fully devoted to God? You see, there's a war going on, and the prize is your heart. It's why so often we're warned to guard our hearts. And when we're burned out and worn out and stressed out, we are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy, especially when it comes to our heart. And it really all comes down to a question of trust. Rest is always associated with trust. And here's the question. Are you willing to trust that God can do more with six days than you can do on your own with seven days? Are you willing to trust that God can do more in and through you in six days than you can do by yourself in seven days? Trusting and relying on God, refocusing our hearts, 
sets us up to effectively launch into the next week. I mean, every week is going to have its share of stresses and ups and downs and busyness and problems. But when we take the time to refocus our heart, well, then we can stay fully devoted to God. We can stay dependent on God. We can trust that he'll bring us through. Sabbath rest is what God calls us to. It's a commandment. It made the top 10 list. Surrendered rest, though, is something that God offers to us. It's a promise. It's a gift. Sabbath, we enter out of obedience. Surrendered rest, we enter out of need. Jesus says these incredible words. He says, come to me. Come to me, every one of you. Come to me and I will give you rest. What an incredible promise that is. Come just as you are. There's no need to try to impress him. He's not going to judge you if you leave a time open on your calendar. There's no need to stress. There's no need to pretend. There's no need to worry. Because Jesus offers us the relief of being totally understood and accepted and loved. Come to me and I will give you rest. You don't know anywhere else to go. You feel like everything's crumbling. You feel like you're this close to burning out. You're kind of like Elijah. You're laying under a tree saying, God, why don't you just take me home today? Jesus says, come to me just as you are, and I will give you the rest that you need. Matthew chapter 11 Such a great chapter, but in this section, I love the message translation, and it's printed in your bulletin, but I think it's such a great passage to reflect on. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus, Elijah, and even you are not immune to burnout. Imagine if we would take Jesus up on this promise. Imagine if we would trust him enough to say, I'm going to take a pause, and I'm going to live into my relationship with him. I love that phrase that's used in that translation that says, the unforced rhythms of grace. What does that look like in your life, to have unforced rhythms of grace? I mean, do you find yourself sometimes just getting annoyed with people, more and more impatient, more and more negative? 
maybe you need to get connected again with Jesus and let him show you what an unforced rhythm of grace looks like. You know, I've heard it said before, one of the best spiritual gauges we have is to ask ourselves, am I getting more or less patient with others? Am I getting more or less frustrated with others? Am I more or less negative about people in the world? Maybe that's an indication that you need to re-engage in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you need to apply this important principle to your life and make it personal and say, I am in a healthier place when I move at a sustainable pace. Now, some of you are thinking, I've got this under control. I've heard this before. I mean, it's nothing new. Well, I've got one more challenge for you. How about you go to your spouse, one of your kids, or a very close friend, and you ask them, is my life moving at a sustainable pace? What's their perspective on where you're at? their answer might surprise you. It might be a wake-up call that you're not doing as well as you think you are. Every one of us can take a step towards Jesus today. Every one of us can claim his promise in me where he says, come to me. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done or said or thought, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your incredible grace, for how you care about every aspect of our life, every detail of our life, every minute of the day. God, I pray that you would help us trust you more, to not feel like we have to take the weight of the world on our shoulders, that somehow it all is up to us. But instead, help us to trust you in everything. Help us to trust you enough to truly rest, to recharge, to be replenished. God, you know where we're at today. You know all of us who are stressed out, who are overwhelmed, who feel like we are just hurrying from one thing to another. God, help us to come to you and to receive your promise of rest. Help us to make that part of our rhythm so that we can continue to grow in our relationship with you. God, help mold us into the best versions of ourselves that we can be. Send your Holy Spirit to fill us up, to minister to us, to lead us and to guide us. And God, as we leave this place, help us to shine our light wherever we go. Help people to see your amazing and unconditional love in and through us. And so God, we trust every aspect of our life to your care in the powerful name of Jesus. And now we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.